It's been a long time, but I'm coming to you for the first time from Sensational Manor 2.5, my new abode here in Napa, California. Yes, we have escaped the moldering, decaying, moldy, musty, damp, dank, dark confines of the rental home we were living in. And we have emerged into the newest legitimate iteration of Sensational Manor right here on Pear Tree Terrace in Napa, California. And right from the jump, it was a white-knuckle ride getting started here today with what I believe is episode 61 of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast on the IC Robots Radio Network because I was unpacking my orange-colored, blue-brand Snowball microphone for the first time since the move, and I plugged it in, and I was being plagued with the recurring problem that this microphone has presented at times over the last year or so where there was tons of static on the line. And I had attributed that to a cord that I no longer use, but it was happening with this cord that I know for a fact to be in fine working order, or at least it was in fine working order um, before the move. But I turned everything on and off several times. I unplugged, replugged many times. I I did some chants. I uh, did a dance. I... um, prostrated myself to a picture of Mr. Trump, and um, when all is said and done, uh, it appears to be working now, so hey, go figure. That's the least of uh, our concerns here with show production. Uh, Of greater concern, um, three weeks ago, when I last spoke with you, I had mentioned that the show was going to go on a several-week hiatus because there was just no way I was going to be able to record any episodes during all the chaos of our move, a a move uh, 10 minutes away from our previous house. So not a move um, extensive in uh, geographical change, but just uh, extensive um, in terms of all the logistics and shuffling around of garbage from one abode to the other, et cetera, et cetera. That is uh, unavoidable in most moves, unless you're, I guess, some extremely organized person that has no material possessions, which I would love to be, but I'm just not. So uh, there was all kinds of nonsense um, in preparation for this move. And then we're moving into a brand new residence. Like this place didn't exist when we bought it, and so we're the first people in it. So it required many appointments of meeting people out here to get things set up, this, that, or the other. Just a complete nightmare, particularly for someone that doesn't really enjoy those kind of interactions. I mean, obviously nothing against people out there in the trades doing their their hard work, but I, I just socially, I don't. It, I'm I feel awkward meeting people randomly. I don't know if they're actually going to show up. There's often like a four hour time window. Uh, I don't know if I should be helping them when they're doing their thing or just standing there or avoiding them entirely. I don't know. My problem, not theirs, but you know, it's it it, it, it takes a lot of uh, energy for Mister Sensational Gino Vega to uh, manage these kinds of household interactions. Um, so I was going to take a few weeks off, and I was going to be back. Today was the day. I couldn't remember what day I said. I checked in with IC Robots himself last week, and he reminded me that today was indeed the day. And under any kind of normal circumstances, normal, I guess, relative to the chaos that was this move, I would be fine recording today. It would not be uh, much of a logistical issue. Instead, it has become a logistical nightmare. Because 
the move was one thing. The move was one discreet, finite time period of insanity that, uh, that Ms. Sensational, my wife and I, were banking on happening. Had, had planned for, had made contingencies for, et cetera, et cetera. But um, as the move began, you know, we had um, a week, Thanksgiving week, where she was working half days from home, and we were doing the final preparations, the final push for the official move that was going to take place that Saturday. Thanksgiving week, Thanksgiving's on Thursday, moving day is on Saturday, and preparations all up until then. Thanksgiving Day, 9.30 a.m., our nuclear family, Ms. Sensational, myself, and Miss Sensational 1 and Miss Sensational 2, our 16-year-old and 13-year-old daughters, were going to be heading to Berkeley, California to have Thanksgiving with my brother, his wife, their two children, and my mother. That was our Thanksgiving plan in Berkeley, California. Meanwhile, in Santa Rosa, California, um, where both uh, Ms. Sensational and my sets of parents live, it's also where you may very well know I See Robots lives, where I used to live, Santa Rosa, California, an hour away, hour drive from where I am now in Napa, California. Um, Ms. Sensational's parents were going to be hosting Thanksgiving at their house with her brother, his girlfriend, his uh, adult daughter, and her boyfriend. 9.30 a.m., Ms. Sensational left our house to go pick up the pies that we had ordered to bring to the Thanksgiving with my brother in Berkeley because due to our moving status, there was no way we were going to be able to prepare anything at home. So I signed us up for bringing a dessert because I figured that was the easiest thing to buy from a store that wouldn't be totally whack, Uh, you know, because you can get a... uh, High quality. I mean, you could get fine sides, whatever, etc., for Thanksgiving from a store, probably too. But the easy, to, I just figured the easiest store bought thing to get is a pie because I'm probably going to get a better pie than I can actually make myself because I'm not exactly a baker. Um, I guess Ms. Ms. Sensational could have made a fine pie, but you know, I don't know. You had to pick something that you're not going to make yourself because you don't have a kitchen that's set up. Pies it was. So um, Ms. Sensational went out to get the pies. I was getting ready. I was hustling to get ready because I didn't want to be lagging. I wanted to be all ready when she got back. I wanted the kids to be ready. We were going to throw everything in the car, drive the hour that it takes to get to Berkeley. She came home, and she was sort of tearful. And Ms. Sensational isn't like super teary person. She often gets tearful when she's angry. So my first instinct was to think that maybe they, that they, the pie place had messed up our order. We were going to be coming empty-handed to uh, Thanksgiving in Berkeley. Uh, but the fact of the matter was she was like, well, my dad's in the hospital. And I was like, okay, but he wasn't just in the hospital. So so when some uh, disastrous calamitous thing happens, it's always hard when you're like receiving the information immediately because it kind of catches you off guard and then you're just taking a moment to process, uh, What's happening? I remember uh, the kind of the the penultimate. No, that's not. That's like second to last penultimate. That's not the right word. The ultimate example of this I can think of is um, back when um, the event known as September 11th happened. Um, Ms. Sensational caught wind of it before I had because I was just waking up and she was already at work. And she called me and she was trying to tell me this stuff was going on. But it was before anyone really knew that these things were all connected or what was happening. And she didn't really have a good way of explaining it because it was just, at that point, it was very bizarre. And she was just like, yeah, turn on the news. There's like a a bunch of natural disasters are happening. 
And I was like, natural disasters. And of course, that's not really what was happening, but she didn't really, it's hard to, hard to explain when this stuff is suddenly happening as a shock and then it's hard to process. Anyway, she was like, her dad's in the hospital, so I'm figuring maybe he fell. Her dad was 83. Maybe, you know, wasn't feeling well, but it was much more than that. It was, um, he was found in his car off the side of the road, um, unresponsive. And again, these details all kind of filtered in over time. Um, Since I know the whole story, I'll just cut through all that and tell you the exact story. But keep in mind, we learned this bits and pieces over the next couple hours. Uh, basically her dad was driving their dog to go hang out at a uh, dog boarding place for the day because the dog's kind of crazy and they just figured it'd be easier to do Thanksgiving without the dog at the house. So her dad was driving his dog to the pet boarding place and made it as far as around the corner from their house. A neighbor saw the car just kind of stopped there in the street, checked on him. He was unresponsive in the car. Uh, she went over to the parents' house and told Ms. Sensational's mom that I think something's wrong with your husband. 911 was called. He was resuscitated, but he had not been breathing for like 10 minutes or something. So it was kind of this like fake, res- I mean, not fake resuscitation, but you know, he was resuscitated bodily, but there was no way he was ever really coming back. And unfortunately, the parents um, didn't have um, uh, what's known as a DNR, a do not resuscitate uh, thing set up. Um, I don't even know how to describe that exactly. My, my parents have them. Uh, I'm going to be getting one now after this story. But basically, it's this idea that if you have this documentation and like your spouse or something knows that you have it and they're able to present it, if you are in such a way that there's just no way that you are going to be coming back to this mortal coil other than just having your body brought back to life for a few extra agonizing, I would imagine, hours, because I, I, I figure when you're at that point, you kind of want to go to the next plane. You don't really want to sit there in a vegetative state uh, EMTs will not uh, necessarily revive you. They're not now uh, liable, compelled to revive you if there's just no point. This documentation was not available for Ms. Sensational's father, so he was revived, but he was revived in such a way that by the time, a couple days later when they finally, a doctor, originally he was like in the ER, then he was in the ICU, and the nurses involved in that were just kind of like, well, you never know, anything could happen. But um, when they did finally talk to a doctor, the doctor was like, no, there was never any chance he was going to be regaining any kind of cognitive function after being out for that long. But anyway, so long and short of this morbid tale is that on Thanksgiving morning, uh, my father-in-law, for all intents and purposes, even though it officially happened a few days later, uh, died. So (laughs) that threw everything into chaos. As you might imagine, Uh, Ms. S. went to Santa Rosa to be with her mom and help her with uh, making sense of what was going on over there. I didn't want to totally bail out on my mom and my brother because they'd put all this effort into doing this thing together. So I actually went to Santa Rosa with Ms. S and then met up with my mom there and drove with my mom to Berkeley. Had our weird Thanksgiving, which was fine. It was great. It was a lovely Thanksgiving hosted by my brother and his wife. Um, at the very end, my niece, who's six, was like, hey, why didn't Ms. Sensational come? And we're like, ah, there's some stuff going on with her dad right now, buddy. But anyway, um, that happened uh, beginning on a Thursday. Saturday was our moving day. As you can imagine, utter chaos, absolute chaos. The move did take place, though. We did, we did manage to make it happen. Um, but then more chaos coming out of that. It wasn't like the move happened and then we were able to settle into unpacking. There's just been so much going on. We had to officially get out of our other house because we moved all the significant items out. There was still some trash and garbage we needed to sort through, get rid of, recycle, donate, etc., etc. That was finally done on Saturday. And all of a sudden, it occurred to me on Saturday that 
remember a while back, I believe I told you all on this show that I had uh, re-enrolled in college to finish the last two classes I needed to get my bachelor's degree? Well, guess what, folks? This is finals week. And so it's not like a finals week you may remember from the good old days of yore where you actually had to go to classes and like sit around and take tests in class. This is all happening from the comfort of my home. But I did have to produce a final project for one class that was due yesterday by 5 p.m., And I have a test I have to take at home, a timed test. Once I hit start, I've got an hour to take it for my physics class. And uh, I was going to do that yesterday, but things were crazy. Didn't finish it. Today's the day I need to get it done so I can move on with my life and be done with those classes. But I remembered I had committed to returning to the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast today. And folks, I thought maybe I would just not do it and I would take the test instead. And I'm still going to take the test. But, you know, I I wanted to take the test the first thing when I rolled out of bed in the morning. So there was no way other things would get in the way and wouldn't happen. But instead, I'm coming to you here on episode 61, very special episode 61, because I figured, you know, it's been three weeks. And the longer you put off returning to something like this, and I know this from my own experience with this show years back, the greater your odds jump up and up and up with every every second that passes, every minute that passes past the deadline when you said you were going to come back, the chances exponentially increase that you will, as the great heavyweight champion of the world, Mike Tyson, once said, fade into a Bolivian. Not oblivion, Bolivian. I believe he meant oblivion. But either way, whether oblivion, whether Bolivian, You would never hear from me again were I in either of those places. I guess I could still podcast from Bolivia. Um, Is Bolivian the same? That's not even the same thing as Bolivia. So I don't even know where. This is some undisclosed location. Or maybe it's a state of mind because he's he's talking about Bolivian like the people, the the country folk of the country Bolivia are Bolivians. Um, So he's going to fade into that mindset. And maybe that's a place where you can't come back from for podcasting. I have no idea. The point is I had to do this or I feared the show would be gone for good. And as I'm sure that would be a hardship to very few, I have enjoyed, um, I don't mean forcing myself to do this once a week as if it's some unpleasant activity, but with any repetitive activity, whether it's the greatest thing in the world, there's always this pull to be like, yeah, I can just stop doing it. I don't need to do it. I feel it's good for me. It's good for my my moral character, my, my, my little book of virtues to uh, state that once a week, I come to you with scintillating, scintillating, however in God's name you pronounce that word, content about nothing. And because of the turmoil, the tumult of the last few weeks, I also am just so totally out of it. I feared, as I always fear, but feared even more so, I would have nothing to talk about. Of course, then I realized I can talk about why I have nothing even more so to talk about. And that's already taken up a good half the show here but um, I worried that just I'd be on here and be like, hey, I need to do a show, but I, I've been out of circulation for a month. So here's the show. Bye. But uh, even if that were all I was going to come to you with, I wanted to come to you with something. And so that's been the state of the Vegaverse for the last few weeks. I, I'm so out of the loop of everything. I have nary watched a television program, played a video game, listened to a podcast. I have so much... I see Robots Radio Network content stacked up that I am going to listen to now as I finally can settle in and start unpacking this place. I apologize to everyone out there that I've been just off the grid, but that's just been the way it is. But this difficult time period is almost at an end. And um, 
like I said, I can actually, the, 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 there's still plenty of hard work to get this place up and running, but that's actually kind of fun because it's to get something set up that I'm going to live in, in versus tearing something down so I can move, which somehow that's never as exciting as the actual setting up and moving in. Um, so we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I'm going to wind things down with um, a funny story that I saw last night um, in a newspaper, or actually on an online website belonging to a newspaper. Tell you that funny story, uh, make fun of some mutants, and then we will call it a show, and I will hopefully be back in more bonafide form next week with even more special episode 62 on the IC Robots Radio Network. is a special report by the Mr. Sensational Gito Vega podcast. This just in, mutant scene swarming the shores of Healdsburg, California. Folks, um, just when you thought the national, international, and hell, even local tenor surrounding the coronavirus pandemic could not get any stupider, any more knuckle-draggy, any more retrograde, any more devolved. I bring to you a report that I happened to notice, unfortunately, out of the corner of my eye last night by way of the Press Democrat, a Sonoma County news organ, the main newspaper in the Sonoma County area. Now, I'm going to tell you this tale, and I'm going to laugh about this tale, because um, one must laugh so that one does not cry. But before I tell this tale, I just want to preface this for those of you not as familiar with the show, or even if those of you who have been listening to the show, but I have not made this clear enough. Um, when I talk about mutants... I speak of those among us um, in our current social environment who have spun off into the lunatic fringes, spun off into the extremes. These people, when I speak of mutants, I do not speak of any particular specific political ideology, political bent, because I think when it comes to mutation, it doesn't really matter 
what the specifics of your starting point ideology are. They all kind of spin out into similar incoherent nonsense. Little little, little bits and pieces, little specific flavors depending on your bent. But the, the unifying theme, stupidity, extremism, misinformation, uninformed opinions, and a general lack of... Um, Connection to shared reality. And I do understand, you know, some people out there trying to make it real cut and dry like it's really easy. Well, there's the truth and there's not truth. There's real and there's not. These things, we're all coming to things from our own slant, our own vantage point, our own um, bias positioning just by being an individual person. There's always that obnoxious thing like, well, not... uh, uh, not to be biased, but dude, you're always biased. Everyone's biased. I'm biased. You're biased. We're all biased because we we can only see. We're not omniscient beings. We can only see things from our very limited, specific point of view. That said, I do think that when one is operating in good faith, when one realizes they are a cog in a social machine, I mean that's not the entirety of what people are, but you know, in our day to day existence, as as citizens in a city, citizens in a state, a county, a country, whatever. We're just faceless people all in this social mass that relies on all of us adhering to certain rules, adhering to certain regulations, um, behaving in some ways as just kind of parts of a machine so that the machine does not completely go off the rails and we find ourselves um, in Mad Max world. In that sense, there is some sort of basic shared reality. Uh, I live in a shared reality, for instance, that um, predicates well-being on medical science. When I'm not feeling well, I would go to a doctor. I would be admitted to a hospital. And once admitted, I kind of give myself over to the advice, the directions that I'm given. Of course, sometimes, you know, in some cases, you might want to get a second opinion. Uh, you might want to have certain things peer-reviewed by other medical experts. But generally speaking, one, or at least this one, is not going to seek to engage in debate with a medical professional. That, that my, somehow my thoughts, my feelings, my opinions are more valid than this person's cold, hard expertise. But that's exactly the vantage point that mutants operate from. They are no longer part of this shared reality. And again, you can live in a shared reality and still have your own personal views on things, your own part of your life that isn't part of that shared reality. That's totally fine. I'm that way. I'm sure many people are that way. But when it comes to basic functioning in, in, for lack of a better term, cliche term, society, there are certain shared expectations unless you want to live in a totally anarchic state. So mutants can be left-leaning, mutants can be right-leaning. It really doesn't matter what matters, what brings them all together is that they're mutants. One of the best explanations I've ever seen of this actually came from an interview I was reading with um, former Congressional Speaker of the House John Boehner when he was talking about the rise of the Tea Party in the Republican Party, a a cancerous mutation within their ranks. His assessment was that these people were not concerned with governance. They were not participating in the public process. They were not participating in civic life in order to try to offer ideas of how civic life, social life could be better governed. They essentially wanted to destroy civic life. That's mutation in a nutshell. And 
since for whatever reason, mutation seems to have found um, very fertile ground in the time and place that we are currently occupying, it's really infecting so many levels of public life to the point where um, I've had to watch way more city council meetings of various cities, um, public commission meetings than any sane human being should ever have to watch because um, that is the business that my wife is in. So I'll often just kind of watch these meetings to see how they go because I know what she's talking about that's happening at work. And in years past, it used to be that you would have a city council and um, the city council could have people from all kinds of personal political ideologies. But once they get onto the city council, that all kind of melts away because really the business of the city council is allocating resources within a city, um, figuring out where state mandated housing units are going to go really boring stuff that bears no resemblance to what you the layperson generally thinks of politics as much like senators yelling at each other and the president's going to fix this and the economy that city government really is just is is nuts and bolts we have the, this amount of resources how are they going to be deployed and of course sometimes the these very boring civic issues sort of echo or sort of uh, are linked to greater uh, social happenings at, at a regional, at a state level, even at a national level. But it, by the time it trickles down to the city, it's in this very untheatrical way. But I've noticed that's changed in recent years. As mutants have been on the rise, you're starting to see mutant city council members that at least in this neck of the woods did not used to be a thing. Um, but it is now. Mutants that are trying to bring um, national clickbait drama, culture wars, all of this nonsense into discussions about how can unpaved roads become paved. So there are, of course, a lot of sad things facing uh, uh, civics, for lack of a better term. Um, you know, the the average person's just complete lack of understanding or, or apathy uh, to the civic process until uh, someone does something that they don't like and then they're up in arms that nothing was done to stop it, but they weren't involved in the process to get there. Um, that kind of stuff's all sad, but I think nothing is sadder. I mean, I, we should all strive to be more actively engaged in, in, in civic life, I think, but um, that all pales in comparison to the infection of mutation into a place where it really has no business, no bearing. But we just saw this recently in the town of Healdsburg, California. Healdsburg, a a precious little wine country town in Sonoma County. Ms. S. and I have had lunch there in the past. I don't really know a lot about Healdsburg. I know that at one point um, there was a job opportunity there, and I didn't understand why Ms. S. was not uh, looking into it because it was something that would have been kind of a fit for her, at least on paper at the time. She was like, oh, no, I'm not working for Healdsburg. And I was like, what's wrong with Healdsburg? Now I'm starting to see why. Um, So this uh, article came across the wire last night, and it was anti-mandate protesters bang on windows of Healdsburg City Hall. And you see a picture of an old woman with a freedom to choose sign and an American flag. Uh pressing her face into the glass of the city hall. So what the issue was here is um, the Healdsburg City Council had 
voted to make it so that in order to attend an in-person city council meeting inside the chambers, where you're going to be around other people indoors, um, in order to participate in person indoors, you needed to be vaccinated against COVID-19. Were you not vaccinated, you are still able to participate. You just have to participate remotely from Zoom. And this is not an onerous thing in 2021. Uh, I know for a fact, I've witnessed for, uh, myself, a lot of these kind of meetings have been happening exclusively via Zoom for over a year now. So it's not like the technology doesn't exist. It's not like you're not going to get to say your piece um, if you come in through Zoom versus in person. In fact, I don't understand why anyone in their right mind would want to go to one of these in person. I would... I'm. Vaccinated, boosted, I would zoom in myself. In any case, this is not a mandate um, that applies to existing in the city of Healdsburg. This is not a mandate about being able to work a job. This is about attending one discrete type of public event where people have decided that they would rather in, uh, I wouldn't even say an abundance of caution, but just in kind of like a sane approach to caution, to have it be that if you want to be a big boy or big girl or big person and participate in these big kid uh, events, be a freaking thinking responsible individual, go get your free cutting edge vaccine that is going to offer you great protection against a potentially serious disease and will over time with increased participation by more and more people reduce the ability for this disease to mutate much like the human individuals have mutated that are doing their best to continue to proliferate this disease. It doesn't seem like that hard of an ask. No one is saying you can't participate if for some bizarre reason you choose to not make this choice. But in this shared social reality, certain things have to be done when there is a public health crisis. But, of course, um, there is now a mutant on the Healdsburg City Council, and the mutant has... Um, the mutant is the sole one not vaccinated on the council. The mutant has turned this into a culture wars issue, which is the, the, the fact that medicine, medicine is being turned into a culture wars flashpoint boggles the mind, absolutely boggles the mind. Did these people, when the mutant that is against up in arms against the, the free vaccine has a heart attack, does the mutant go to the hospital or does the mutant choose to be free and uh, disregard um Health science. I, I, I'm very curious about this. When the mutant actually gets COVID and the mutant uh, needs to get a dose of Invermectin and uh, be put on a ventilator, does it go to the horse? Uh, does it go to the veterinary clinic and to the to the hospital, or does it choose to be free and not uh, take on these? Um, Mitigating measures. I don't know. It's it's very odd. But anyway, the the, the quotes from this story are just beyond the pale. As uh, participants in the self-described freedom rally held up signs that read "End segregation now" and "Stop the van vaccine mandates," and "Media is a virus," and waved to passing cars on Grove Street. A few drivers honked in support. <laughs> One man flipped off the crowd. Now it'd be nice. That's just getting aggression uh, engenders mutation, but that's kind of funny. Uh, many of those in attendance were from Healdsburg. Many others were not. The latter included residents of Santa Rosa, Petaluma, Sebastopol, and Ukiah. I'm very curious why they felt that it was their uh, business what was going on in Healdsburg then. But, uh, well, I guess it's because our democracy is under serious threat, said Jacob Martin. Um, 
Palacios, that's the council member who's a, a mutant, is banned from coming into a meeting. That's Orwellian. Uh, maybe revisit what uh, Orwell was writing about. That's um, always funny too when the mutants try to try to take the you know use the um, literary turn or something from the arts. Uh, I don't know. That doesn't really seem to fly very well. Um, the mood was generally upbeat outside City Hall, even festive at times, and this is my favorite part. The main promoters of the event, Santa Rosa Couple, Shelby Pryor, and Adina Flores, rolled up in a bus that included a potent sound system, and the protest gained a soundtrack that included tracks such as Bob Marley's Buffalo Soldier. I guess that is kind of a freedom-fighting anthem. This is just such a bad-faith usage of some of these things like segregation. Segregation is about disparate treatment of people based on conditions that are outside of their control, based on on an ethnic background that they're born into, not on choosing to not participate in sane mitigation measures during a health crisis. But then one needs to simply look at the mental acumen of the individuals involved, and I will end it on this quote, which, which, which really says it all. Um, let's see here. Flores and Pryor, those are the, uh, protest organizers are opposed to what they see as a coercive attempt by government to force citizens to accept the COVID vaccines. But they, like many in the vocal movement also reject many of the scientific arguments made by public health officials and medical professionals. An example of their focus is on a thing called Comirnaty, uh, C-O-M-I-R-N-A-T-Y. The name announced by the Pfizer BioNTech pharmaceutical company, When the FDA and European Union approved the vaccine in August, Palacios, the Healdsburg City Council member who's a mutant, has also hit that point hard in recent public comments. The only FDA-fully approved vaccine was one manufactured by Pfizer, supposed to be labeled as Comirnaty. Flores wrote to the Healdsburg Council, I visited several pharmacies in the area, spoke with the pharmacists at each location, and they had no idea what Comirnaty was. They had never heard of it. We also called the Pfizer corporate office and affirmed that Comirnaty is not yet being manufactured here in our nation. So... Here's the explanation. This appears to be a factual misunderstanding. Comanarty, well, that's a messed up name, dude. Maybe these people are onto something. I, I can't even say this. And it's spelled to, it's spelled two different ways in this article, too. Hmm. Hmm. You know, the mutants might have a point, and I think I might be joining their ranks. But in any case, uh, Comanarty is the brand name for the vaccine that we have been calling Pfizer since it became the first to hit the U.S. market nearly a year ago. Pfizer and BioNTech, a German company, could not legally give their product a brand name until the FDA or EU approved it. So these people are playing a very bad faith game. Uh, It's not even bad faith. They're just freaking stupid. They don't realize that drugs are given brand names, but oftentimes what you are taking is not the brand name version of the drug. And in this case, the brand name could not be made official until the FDA approval was finished, which I think it is now. I don't know. I don't care. That always just seemed to be a rubber stamp of something that was basically a tried and true technology that was tweaked to be uh, effective for this specific vaccine. Um, I'll add one little note here. Among the the many trials and tribulations I've gone through over the past few weeks, I was having some health problems. Uh, Went into the doctor. Hadn't been to the doctor in a long time. Decided I wanted to go in to just get some baseline information on my health. And everything was good across the board. Stellar test results. Everything good, except for one thing. High blood pressure. 
And the doctor said that it was certainly not attributed to anything like exercise or diet related. And I got tested for sleep apnea and that wasn't the reason. And he said, you know, sometimes this is just kind of biological genetic and these things do tend to run in my family. And because it's not accompanied by things like high cholesterol or anything like that, it's not really that much of a concern, but I was still put on blood pressure medication, a generic version of a blood pressure medication originally manufactured by Pfizer. I took this medication and within a day, within a day, my blood pressure was under control. Why? Please tell me why in the year of our Lord, 2021, there's any difference between me taking advantage of that medical science and getting my blood pressure under control and taking advantage of another Pfizer product and making it so that I very likely won't end up in the hospital from COVID-19 and I feel fine going about my business. I've been back, you know, people talk about getting back to normal life. I've been back to normal life for months now. I go out, I go out and about, I do, I wear masks when asked to because I'm not a jerk. Um, but th- this whole thing just boggles the mind, just stretches credulity, just the These stupid people are just out there running around thinking that they're making sense and they're just not. Folks, get the vaccine. To quote a great man, as I've quoted before, what have you got to lose? Uh, There's no, I mean, I guess the the problem is is these people believe there's all kinds of uh, disadvantages, health problems, et cetera, related to the vaccine. There are none. Worst comes to worst, you shoot yourself with this shot or someone shoots it for you actually that please don't shoot yourself with it but uh someone shoots you up with this shot you have a sore arm for a day and you're on with the rest of your life and nothing happens best case you have a sore arm for a day and you get a mild case of covid instead of one that could land you in the hospital i don't know i don't know what to tell you i just had to talk about something today this mutation fell into my lap and i felt the need to vent about mutants i promise i promise we'll lay off the mutant talk the next few weeks Probably get back to some Masters of the Universe next week, some more lighthearted stuff. But it's just, I don't know, man. I don't know. This stuff's just hard to deal with. And I hope to God that no one out there is listening as a mutant. And I hope to God that if you, if you find yourself teetering on that precipice, you might just think about it for a minute. Think about it just for a second. And I think it's hard because uh, there's not a lot of good voices for refuting mutantism out there. Because the if you're in that mindset where you're going to be receptive to mutation... All of the mutant memes, all of the mutant talking points are very easily accessible, very persuasive. Uh, and in contrast to that, you just have establishment figures being like, rah, 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 rah. so I understand why it seems why it's easy for people to be like, no, forget that. This mutant's making a lot of sense. I'm going to go join the horde. But please, just as a regular average schmo, just as stupid as the rest of them, I'm begging you, stay with us. Stay with the side of humanity. There's no need to go down that Mad Max road. I will leave you today. I will tell you every morning when I drop Ms. 2, Miss 2, I always get Ms. and Miss mixed up my own problem, but Miss 2, my 13-year-old, every day when I drop her off at her middle school, I have to stop to let her out of the car in front of this house. The house looks like the house from the final episode of Breaking Bad boarded up windows, waist high weeds, cars parked on the lawn. The cars all have these bumper stickers that are like machine guns. And it's like, come and take it, snowflake. And like 9-11 was an inside job and all kinds of conspiracy, this and that, and pictures of machine guns and skulls. And I just, I ask you, is this a viable lifestyle? Because this isn't even, again, it's not about ideology. It's not about political arguments. It's is embracing anarchy, chaos, hate, and death. Is that a sustainable lifestyle I don't know. My answer is no.
Yours may vary. Talk to you next time. Uh, this has been Mr. Sensational Gino Vega with episode 61 of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast. I thought I was going to give you like a 10-minute, hey, I'm still here, I'll be back next week. <laughs> went 40! That's how it is around these parts. Talk to you next time. Mr. Sensational Gino Vega signing off. KGST. You're listening to KGST. Gesundheit. No, that's KGST Radio, the voice of Heelsburg. This is Kelly Bean, and we have a request for Abnormal Growth Lance Can't Dance. Lance, Lance, Lance! Can't dance, dance, dance! Little pack, pack, pack! He's got holes in the knees of his dirty blue jeans. He's got three blonde hair and lives over there in Heelsburg. Heelsburg! Of mutants from toxic pollutants, or is it the water? Don't even bother to try to understand this crazy little band from Heelsburg. Heelsburg. Heelsburg.